Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I get to be here with food blogger, speaker, and author, Abby Turner. Abby is a young professional who is single and has a passion for encouraging women to stop wasting time waiting for the perfect family, house, or table, and start opening their homes, cooking for friends, and building community. I love this message. So today we yeah. get to talk about her book, The Living Table, Recipes and Devotions for Everyday Get-Togethers. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Well, we like to ask each of our guests, um, what's your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God and pray? Yeah, you know, anywhere outside, if I can get out into nature, I think that that is God's ultimate like painting or tapestry that he has given us. And so anywhere where I can see trees or birds or grass or even the skyline, um, it, it just draws me close into what he finds beautiful. Yeah, I'm with you. I love it. And it's just, uh, I don't know, there's something about being outside. I think there's something about being indoors all the time Yeah, that, that blocks us from spiritual things sometimes and not always God can meet us anywhere, but I agree with you. I just feel like it, it does something. It just opens yeah. up a connection and, and makes it, it does. There is this Adirondack chair that we have out on our um, kind of patio at our lake house. And we just overlook the lake and trees and the birds. I mean, just, there's something about being out in nature. I think that, uh, I mean, look at what Jesus did. He went out into the wilderness and spent time just communing with God. So I think there's something special about being out in kind of nature. Yeah, I think so too. Well, can you, um, just share a little bit about your story? You have this beautiful book. I have it prominently displayed. It's the, there it is the living table. And I love this book. It's beautiful. It has such pretty pictures and, um, great insights and devotions. I love it. And, um, but what, what led you to first begin opening up your heart and your home to others? Yeah. Well, I think a big part of my story is that I am single and that I did find myself in like extreme loneliness for several years. And, um, I wouldn't say it was like loneliness to the form of like depression, but it was just isolating in a number of ways. And, um, so I moved around a lot for work. I was in like a different city and state every single year for a number of years. And I found myself just constantly being alone and, So I was about to give up, called my mom and I said, Hey, I am moving back home. I'm quitting my job. This is horrible. And she said, well, have you tried inviting someone over? And I was like, no, like I can't cook. My home's not cool. It's not big. It's, I live in an apartment. It's like 600 square feet. Nobody's coming over. And she said, well, why don't you just try inviting one person over? It doesn't have to be like a hundred people <laughs> invite one person and make something. And I was like, well, what if I just ordered tzatziki's like my favorite and, or Domino's pizza or something. And she was like, Abby, no, stop. You can make a meal, go on Pinterest, find something to make. And so in all of my creativeness, I thought I could adapt a recipe and I made cheese tortellini. If you know anything about tortellini, it needs like pesto or olive oil or marinara. It does not need more cheese because there's cheese on the inside. So I made this cheesy tortellini and it was horrible. So bad. Okay. So this girl goes to work the next day. We have a great time. She eats the food. She, we go home or we go back to work the next day and she is talking. I walk in and she's talking about how great the meal is. 
And I was like, I'm sorry, what? No, that was not a good meal. It was horrible. And then more people were like, Hey, I would love to come over. Like, can we do this again? Can you, can you do it again? I'd love to what? So one person turned into three people turned into five. Mm. We ended up having a Bible, a women's Bible study at my house for people that I worked in college athletics. And so you work nine to five and then nights and weekends are athletic events. And so you just really have like no consistent time for friendship or for community or for getting involved in a church really hard. So um, I think that that's, if I like had to pinpoint, like put an Ebenezer on like where that moment was that God started to like tug at my heart about community and the importance of the table and all of this, I think that it would have to be like that moment. Um, I don't know that I knew that it was that moment until like years later. Um, so I, I left college athletics very shortly after that and moved to Northwest Arkansas for a number of reasons. I just, I found that community was so hard. It was so important, but it was just so hard in that industry at that time of my life to build it. And so I wanted to plant roots somewhere. So I moved to Northwest Arkansas and started working at Walmart in their corporate office and really, I mean, dug deep into there needs to be a special place in my house for the table. I think in one of the devotionals in the book, I talk about Easter and how I ended up my first Easter in Arkansas. I have a huge family and my family all gets together. But that Easter, I felt a very strong tug on my heart. You need to stay in Northwest Arkansas, invite people to um, church and then over for Easter lunch. And I like had this epic Easter brunch after church and what I thought would be three or four people ended up being like 15 people and we were sitting ever I think there was like a card table with four chairs in my bedroom because I just had like no room and people were just everywhere and it was so wonderful just to kind of feel that sense of community and also on the flip side to see that people um, crave community they crave that connection and I think that the enemy can sometimes put all of this fear and doubt into our minds saying you're not good enough, or you just need to be alone. Or like in the last year, isolation is good and it's not. And so, um, hearing, you know, that other people are seeing that other people were craving that community and that connection. Um, and that we found it around the table, just more solidified that thought in my head and that, um, kind of inkling in my heart that the spirit had kind of been putting and tugging on me saying, Hey, there is power in connection and community around the table. And I want to bring you here. And so then started on this quest about, let me figure out more about the table. Then it turned into food. Then it turned into a blog. Then it turned into a book. And it's just so wonderful to see how God used, um, faithfulness and stewardship in like every phase of life and how I didn't know what God was doing in Birmingham, Alabama. I was so lonely, but how God planted a seed of community and of the table. And then over time, God watered that seed and grew it into something else and grew it bigger and deeper into my heart, into my soul. And now it's a message and it's a platform to help encourage and affirm and validate others that are walking through the same phase. And you can be lonely in any phase of life, right? You can be married and four kids and you can be, you know, an empty nester. Um, You can be divorced or widowed and still have loneliness. So I think that this um, emotion follows us um, through life. And we, we have to learn and develop kind of this spiritual discipline of how, how do we fight loneliness? How do we 
go to the battlefield. And I think we go to that battlefield of loneliness with community. Um, and that, that is how, that is God's provision for loneliness. That's God's provision for, um, that, that, that emotion is, you no, know, you need to be with people. I did not make you build you to be alone. I need you to be with people and with community. And I think that's why God left his spirit here, um, with us in the new Testament. When Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus left his spirit and said, go build the church. Um, because I need you to be one body, one people, one group, all unique in all of its parts, but coming together for a common goal. Yeah. Well, I just love the word that just keeps coming to my mind is abundance. You know, I just yeah. think of in the beginning, that feeling of loneliness and like there's something missing and um, just isolation. And then from that to just abundance, bounty, more than you ever imagined it would be. And it went mm-hmm. from, you know, just all of these people surrounding you and, and having them to your table to abundance in just it overflowed into this blog, into this book. And I just, I love that. I love how God does that. But the key, you said something about battling isolation. And I really think the enemy uses isolation in so many ways. I see it in myself. I used to think, um, and maybe there is something to, I I used to think that I had the gift of hospitality because I loved having people over. I think pre-kids, I would love entertaining. I loved having people over. I loved Bible studies in our home. I loved unexpected guests. I'm in a time now where with three kids and busyness and doing podcast stuff, plus homeschool, plus all these other things, I feel like my house is always a disaster and I am filled with shame over my house and over the state of things. And we're busy, which causes isolation, ironically. And so the combination of those things, we had a couple of people stop by yesterday to pick up something that we had been storing in our garage for them. And one of them had to use the bathroom and I didn't even want them to come in my house to use the bathroom. That's how just, and, and so what would you say to someone that is just, uh, feels like, well, I can't be hospitable because X, Y, or Z. There's, there are lots of different things. There's, you know, you can start with me. My house is a disaster. There's no way I, I, you know, how, how am I going to be hospitable when I can't even find a table to put something on right now? Yeah. So I think that loneliness, ugly twin sister is called fear. (laughs) There you go. This like a shame. And this, um, I mean, if you look at when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they first ate that piece of fruit, whatever it was, it, they, it wasn't, they were naked and scared or naked. And, you know, like they, it it was naked and ashamed. And so I think that the reason that the writer wrote that was because that is going to be the number one tool that the enemy is going to use time and time and time again, is this fear of I'm unlovable. There's something wrong with me there. My house is not going to be perfect. I am not going to like my composition is just not going to be good enough for whoever name insert that party or that person or whatnot. Um, I think that what we have to remember is that um, hospitality is yes. While it is a spiritual gift, I also believe it is a spiritual discipline and spiritual disciplines are things in our life that draw us closer to the character of God. And if you look at how Jesus, and if you look at how Jesus 
did his ministry, it was all around hospitality. Maybe they weren't, he wasn't inviting people into his home, but he was communing daily with people around a table, around food. He was having intentional conversations. I mean, you think about the woman at the well, they weren't having dinner, they weren't eating food, but he was having an intentional conversation where she was. She didn't have to come to him. He went to her. And I think that when Paul says we need to imitate Christ, we need to look at those stories that we've been told time and time again and say, let's pick out the characteristics of what Jesus was doing. And over and over again, he's, a, he's meeting people where they are. He's being intentional in conversation. He is loving them through all circumstances. And when we think perfection has to, has to pervade, I mean, it has to be everywhere. When we think we have to have an Instagram worthy house and a Pinterest perfect meal, then we are saying, God, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And what I have to remind myself is that little sentence that we often overlook in scripture where Jesus turns to Martha in the kitchen and he says, stop worrying about it. <laughs> stop fiddling. You know, I mean, if you're in my house, that's what my mom would say. She would stop fiddling with that. Stop, 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 stop. And I can, I can hear Jesus say that. It's like, Martha, stop worrying about it. Stop trying to be perfect. We know you're not. And I love when my house is perfect and my kitchen is clean and the dishes are out of the sink. There's one question people always ask and it's, Hey, do you have a coaster for this drink? Now, if you know anything about me, my house is furnished with Walmart and Wayfair furniture. It is not, I mean, top of the line. It is not antiques. It is, I mean, basic. And in fact, my coffee table has like a, a paper covering on it. And it's like starting to like turn up because it's just been used. But that's the thing is like when perfection is what people see, perfection is what people feel like they have to uh, measure up to. But when you walk into a home and there's laundry everywhere, the dishes are dirty in the sink. Hey, this is my life. People feel like, oh, I can be vulnerable here. I can be myself here. I fit in here. Mm. I want to be here. And so, because I, I don't know if you've ever been, talk to your friends about this, but they're like, man, my house is always dirty. My dishes are always in the sink. Uh, I, I don't know the last time my house was clean. Um, maybe when my mom came, you know, like maybe when I had guests that were like actually spending the night when I changed the sheets. Um, but I think that we all are busy in life and we need to give each other grace of like, life's not perfect. And what a better way to meet somebody and show grace and show that imperfection by inviting them into your home when it's not perfect. And when it, mm -hmm. when it is dirty and when your kids are going crazy or when my dogs are barking and they're <laughs> jumping all over the furniture and I'm just like, this is life. I'm sorry. I'm not a perfect dog mom. Like my dogs don't just sit there. Uh, but yeah, I think that when, when we think about life, the enemy is going to want to tell you, he's going to want to meet you in shame. He's going to want to meet you in that fear. And we have to kind of separate ourselves from that and say, nah, you know, just like Jesus told Martha, stop worrying about it. Stop fiddling with things. Just love, love your people in your home, in your space. Uh, we have to, we have to step up to that plate and say, okay, God, that's how I'm going to show love. I love that. And I think that applies to many different circumstances. What are some excuses that you have heard over the time that you've been in this sort of frame of thought of hospitality? What are some excuses or concerns or fears that people have had as to why they can't or don't want to invite someone into their home? Yeah, 
you know, because I have a food blog, I hear a lot of food excuses. I'm not a Food Network chef. I'm not a Martha Stewart. I'm not a Rachel Ray. But Abby, you are. You're so good at it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but just because I'm running the marathon today doesn't mean I had to, I didn't have to go and buy the right shoes and get the Garmin watch and start right. out walking. Right. And with your so tortellini dinner. I, <laughs> with my tortellini dinner. That's right. And so I'm not a trained chef. I didn't go through Martha Stewart school for this. I um, have had to work hard at it. And when I say I had to work hard at it, it has been a daily, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly in my kitchen cooking. I'm constantly trying new things. I'm looking at new dishes when they go on sale. People are like, oh my gosh, you have so many dishes. Because I buy them when they're on clearance for two bucks. <laughs> it's not because I'm like spending, you know, all of this money on fine china. Um, and so I think that when when we think about it like that, all you're seeing is the final output. You're not seeing the daily grind of trying to work on what hospitality looks like. And so um, that's kind of my little spiel for I'm not a Food Network chef. I also hear, but I'm not a good mother. I don't want my kids to be crazy. I want them to be well-behaved. Okay. I have, I have no, I have no experience in that other than, um, we get you <laughs> like, you might look at single people and be like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could sleep in on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Let me tell you, Saturday mornings are fantastic for the 32 year old single because I get to sleep until 11, but, but moms, we understand that for boys under 10 is a lot. I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's a lot. Um, I know that little girls can be sassy. I don't know how to handle that, but I get you, you know, like, so I think having grace for yourself, uh, that we're not judging you, um, that, it's okay that your kids are going crazy because my dogs are going crazy. And I have the same fear of like people coming in and my dogs jump on them. And I'm like, gosh, I just wish I could shock you kids right now. Right? <laughs> like, oh, can y'all, can y'all stop jumping? Um, so yeah. So I think that bottom line, grace upon grace upon grace. And if you are surrounding yourselves with Christian community, I think that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to be met with. Um, but it's kind of stripping off that, those fears of like it, we don't have to qualify to be in community. Yeah. We just have to show up. And recognizing too, that a lot of those fears are a, an, an enemy attack, that it's the enemy's attack. Yeah. Cause what I have found is when I do allow people in my home that, you know, when I, when it's less than ideal uh, and I think it's a mess and I find myself apologizing about it, they're usually, I, I can have some just by the end of it, I think I would have missed out on this time with this person that was just yeah so good. If I yeah. had let that barrier keep me from being with them. What I have found in myself, I, I tend to be an introvert in general. I love people and I do enjoy community, but I am an introvert. So I gain my energy through being alone. Yeah. I don't get a lot of alone time. I have three kids and a husband. And so I don't, I, so I am hesitant when things get busy, such as activities and kids needing to be places. I, I become very hesitant and I guess protective of my extra time. And so yeah. I find myself feeling like I might not want 
to extend an invitation to people or accept an invitation from someone when I'm starting to feel, and, and during COVID even, you mentioned this about this lie that isolation is good. Um, during COVID, I kind of, I had this sense of, oh, I have no obligations. I'm not going anywhere. And I kind of like it. And that translated to me feeling like building up in my mind, this nervousness or anxiety about Mm -hmm. when I do face people, when I do have to have conversations with people and it's not extreme. I mean, and, and it's totally broken the moment I get in a conversation with someone, but that feeling and that attitude could prevent us from taking that step of inviting someone in or, and so, um, and another question I have for you, another scenario is what about someone, what advice would you have for for someone who's either just moved to a new place or, you know, here's this interview or reads your book and thinks I would love hospitality. I would love to extend hospitality to someone. I don't know who to ask or how. What, what, what would you do in that case for that barrier? Yeah, I do. I do want to touch on the introvert aspect of community building and hospitality, because that can be met. I mean, if you look at just statistically, it should be 50% of us are introverts. Right. And so uh, I think that when you look at hospitality, the heart of it is serving and loving others. And Christ calls us to do that. And that does not look like, or does it have to look like a, huge 12 person dinner at your house. It doesn't have to look like a huge meal. And a lot of times that can even be the lie that Satan tells us is that, Hey, the lie is you have to have a friend's giving and it has to be epic every time you have someone over. And that's just not the case. And I think that's what you're going to find in the cookbook is that like, I have, I broke it up by um, moments. And so it, whether it's a pool party or you're dropping food off at a neighbor's house, or you are just having somebody over for coffee, it is those every day, those little daily moments that take an hour that may, maybe even less than that, where it's, that's where true connection is going to happen. And Christ calls us to connect. He wants us to live life with others. And maybe it doesn't look like food. To, to an introvert, maybe to you, it just looks like you're writing a note to somebody, you're sending flowers, you're um, sending a meal. There are a ton of, you know, meal kits out there that you can just send pre-made food to people and just say, Hey, I was thinking about you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. So it doesn't necessarily need to look like energy expended mm-hmm. um, in a person to person contact or a huge meal. Um, but that true connection, I mean, I, I think that while sometimes it can seem daunting on the flip side of that, there's true blessing that's found in that community, um, that we need to tap into. Um, but if you are someone that has just moved to a new place or are in a community or finding yourself alone, uh, without, without community, the easiest place that I have found what kind of my formula was when I would move to a new place was I would always serve in the preschool at the church. That is like the least um, liked place in the church. They're always needing volunteers in the preschool. And I find that I meet young parents. I find that I meet a ton of people. And if anything, you get a lot of hugs on Sunday morning and the kids love you. And so it just kind of boosts your self-esteem going into the next week. Uh, But a lot of my friends 
because I am 32 and single, a lot of my friends are married and I am on second and third kids um, and have a brood of nieces and nephews now that are, you know, just my friend's kids. And so that is fantastic because I'm getting to be, you know, around families when I thought I was going to have my own, I'm getting to be around families and it's kind of uh, filling my cup in that way um, in some instances. And so um, I, I don't necessarily think that Jesus calls us to build our community to look like us. Jesus just calls us to build our community. And so um, if you are 32 and single or you're 28 and single or you're 42 and single and you're looking for another 42 year old single at church, you are going to have a hard time finding it (laughs) because we just don't walk around with that plastered on our forehead. Um, But if you are looking for community, I guarantee God will bless you in that way. And he will help you find your community. Um, but I found, I find the easiest way to build that community is by serving and what a better place to serve than in your church. That's great. And all the children's pastors collectively are sending out a, a cheer for you for doing that. Cause it is, it's so hard. It's hard to fill the, fill the spots, especially in that, in the younger kids age group. Well, And there are so many kids and you just have to have so many rooms and it's, it's hard. So I, that is my service back to the church is preschool ministry. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, that brings us to this topic that I, I just really know is something that many of our listeners want to hear more about, and that is singleness. And you talk about it in your book. You kind of joke about the supernatural prayer that you wish that you could pray so you wouldn't have to be single. Um, but your journey toward, um, you know, you talk in the very beginning of the book about your journey to toward, you know, opening your home and your heart in hospitality began with having an emptiness as a single woman and, kind of feeling like that emptiness was a sign that you needed a man in your life and, and you kind of had pursued dating. And it was kind of at that point, I I think, was it your mom that kind of brought that to your attention? Can you talk about that? Just how that happened for you? And maybe, maybe it'll speak to someone who's feeling that same thing. Like, well, I'm feeling empty. I must need a partner. Yeah. So, um, definitely. And I think that there are still, still, I know I wrote a book, but I, there are days and moments and hours where I sit and I am not content where I am. And I am, um, believing the lie that the enemy has told me that I need a husband or I need a partner. And there is still that very strong desire in me, um, that I I want just my person and I want to live life with somebody. And so there's not a cure for loneliness or uh, that desire. Um, and all I can say to that is that the more you draw close to the Lord, the more he will draw close to you. And there is deep kind of consolation in there. There's like that he is consoling me and loving me and in that, in those moments. But I heard a pastor one time say that the God's provision for loneliness in the old Testament was marriage but God's provision in the new Testament is community. And I disagreed with that so hard, but there was like a little tinge in my heart that was like, no, Abby, this is true. (laughs) You need to sit with this and believe this. And so I prayed about it for a little bit and was like, I just, I cannot get my, like God's provision for my loneliness is a man. 
I can guarantee that. And so I sat down with my pastor and was like, look, Dr. Floyd, we got to talk about this. And, um, he sat with it for a minute and he came to me and he was like, I believe this, this is true. And I was like, no, I needed you to disagree with me. And he said, Abby, look, loneliness, it can only be cured through community. We were made for one purpose. We were made for God by God in Genesis 1 27. God made us in his image for himself. He does not believe that we need to live life alone. And before he left his spirit and before he started the church, he said marriage was how we were meant to be together. And then when he left his spirit with us, he said, go walk in the church, go walk with your community. And you look at how the community was set that, how that first church, how that first community was set up in acts two, in that the church, they worshiped and they prayed and they ate together and they did life together. They broke bread together. And, um, I think that is so important to kind of wrap our heads around that in loneliness, there is a difference between being lonely and being alone. And I think when we can turn that loneliness into aloneness and that aloneness into solitude and that solitude into prayer, that's when we can truly see the importance of being alone. And that when I am alone, when I am lonely, when I, when there are two things I can do, I can sit in loneliness and I can hear those lies from Satan. And I can say, I am ashamed. I am fearful. And that fear is I'm never going to be loved. I am not pretty enough. I am not a good enough dater. I need to read all the dating books. I need to go on all of these dating apps I, because God's not showing up for me. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden? He, he wants to keep something from you. Mm-hmm. So in loneliness, I can sit here and say, God wants to keep something from me, or I can turn loneliness into aloneness. And I can say, no, God has me alone because I was made for him by him. And in that moment, I can say, I want to, I want to talk with you, God, walk me, walk, walk with me through this. That solid, that aloneness turns now to solitude, turns now to prayer, turns now to this cup being full. If we are truly made for God by God, then he wants to fill our cup with only him. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our joy comes from. That's where our, I mean, every fruit comes from is from him and from our cup being full with him. And so if, if I get extra time to spend with him, why not take it? Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If that, if that solitude of that prayer is going to have this like kind of profound ability, this supernatural power of deepening my walk with God, deepening my desire to align with his desire for me, then why would I not sit there in that? And so I think that that's kind of where my mind has gone is if I'm alone on a Tuesday night and I'm like, I want a husband so bad. My carnal self says, turn on a Hallmark movie and let's get the love on. <laughs> but my, my spiritual self says, let's, let's turn everything off 
let's turn right now it's Maverick City. Let's turn Maverick City on and let's spend some time with the Lord and let's see what he wants to talk to me about. Because to me, that's the ultimate date. Now I would love to go on a date. So like, let's just put that out there. But I, I also like, I, I am craving and I am protecting that time with the Lord, because if I were in a different spot, like there was one point in my life where I was like, man, I just want, my goal in life is to have a Mercedes Sprinter van and to fill it with kids. I just want to like, I want 12 kids in the back and I want them all to be mine and let's go. And while that might be my story in 12 years, I have no idea, but I'm also know that that those hours that I get to spend with the Lord tonight are going to be hard to come by with 12 kids. I might not have three or four hours to spend with the Lord on a Tuesday night with 12 kids, babies waking up throughout the, it might look different. So I think that there, there, when you have that aloneness or when you have that loneliness, like turn it in, look at, flip it on its head and say, okay, I'm not lonely because the Lord's keeping me from something. I'm alone because he's keeping me for himself. And I need to deepen that conversation with him. And I think that, I mean, if we sit in that, and we soak that up, uh, it just kind of shifts your perspective. I'm not saying that that perspective is going to be there hundred percent of the time because we are human and we have very strong physical desires. Um, but to me, phrasing it that way, thinking about it that way. And again, that is a, a daily struggle. That is a mindset shift. That is a kind of a muscle that has is atrophied in our body that we have to, we have to bring back to the front and say, okay, every time I feel like this, I need to think this. Every time I think this way, I need to be thinking this way. Um, and you kind of have to shift that. And it takes time to shift that, that mindset. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Abby. I feel like that is so profound. And that the that whole idea of embracing the, you know, turning that loneliness into, okay, I am alone and turning that alone time yeah. into time with God. Um, but it does take exercise and it does take discipline and it does take, you know, for, for anyone, no matter what stage you're in, because I think everyone has these things, these stories that they tell themselves or that the enemy whispers about the stage of life that they're in and, um, and that something else is going to make them happy or is going to fulfill them or is going to make it better. Like if I could only X, Y, or Z, and, and what you're saying is take the season God has put you in at this time and embrace it. And, and like you said, you know, if yeah. the time comes where you have a car full of kids, you'll look back on this time and you want to look back on it and say, I, I milked that time alone yeah. with God, you know, like I pressed into that yeah. time of it and, and vice versa, you know, someone that has a car full of kids right now and is like, I just want to be alone for 30 seconds. And, you know, God has placed you in that season, press into that season. And, and there's going to yeah. be a time when you're going to, you know, wish those kids were back in the car. Cause they'll be gone. So, you know, yeah, that is so cute. And I, and I think that, you know, there's, there's scripture that says maybe second Corinthians, first Corinthians, leave it in the comment if you know what I'm talking about, but there is a, there is a, uh, a verse that says, you know, if we sow more, we will reap more, but yeah. if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Mm. And I think if you set that to the side for a minute and think back to Psalms, where he says, the Lord is the light to my feet 
-hmm. It's like, no, we're not going to see the landscape. We don't see far ahead. We see right here. So if you reap, if you sow right here, if you sow abundance right here, you are going to reap abundance in the future. But if you are not a good steward with what you've been given today, right where your feet are, because that's all we can see. If you Mm. sow sparingly, that landscape might look desolate because you didn't reap in abundance because you sowed sparingly. And so I think that like, if you look at God's love story for us and his, that picture of community, that picture of, of being a good steward, that picture of being present where you are. I mean, remembering who God is, God is a God that does not want to keep goodness from you. He is a God that wants to like pour out blessing, but just in the same vein of like, you know, if you have kids, I'm going to use a kid example because this example has been used on me, but like you don't give your kid candy before bed, not because candy is not good, but because that kid is going to be up all night and not going to sleep, or it's going to have a tummy ache, or he's just going to be upset. And so you keep that candy knowing I'm going to give that candy to him tomorrow. Gosh, if you would just trust me, I'm going to give that good candy to you tomorrow. I'm not keeping it from you forever. And sometimes I can hear God saying that to me, like, yeah. gosh, if you would just wait till that blessing that I have for you tomorrow, you are going to be thanking me for this time, or you're going to be thanking me for this sleep, or you're going to be thanking me for fill in the blank. And all I need you to do is rest in me. Mm. Just trust me. People have asked me before, oh my gosh, what's next? You just wrote a book. Blah, blah, blah. What's next? And I'm like, God's doing a great job. I'm going to let him go. Like, <laughs> I'm like going to open up the gates and just keep him going. I do not. And, but in the same sentence, in almost the same moment, I can say, okay, God, but like, I would really like a plan. So if you could just like write it out for me, that would be great. Right. <laughs> and God's like, let me do my job. Let me be God. All I need you to do is be a good steward with the moment in the feet that I've given you in the place that I've set you. And I need you to sow in abundance so that you can reap in abundance in the future. That is so good. Well, I wanted to ask um, about the title, the living table and, and what that means and some ways that you have seen God at work around the table. Cause you are so passionate about the table and it made me passionate yeah. about the table and excited to hear more about it. Yes. Yeah, so it's called the living table because I have this very deep passion. And if you are any, if you see me on Instagram, you know that I like, I'm always just like, Oh my gosh, sit at the table. Just don't sit on the couch. Don't sit and eat it in your car sit at the table and eat it. But, uh, it's called the living table because I don't, I feel very strongly. It should not just be this piece of furniture that we put our bags on or our purses or our laundry or our bills. It should be this kind of living vessel that we use every single day to bring community and connection together. Um, it is where brokenness turns into, like you said, abundance when it turns into blessing, when vulnerability is led to intimacy, when that connection is bonded together. Um, Yes, connection can happen in big birthday parties, in holidays, at anniversaries. I mean, it can happen in the big moments. I think there's something very unique, um, very simple about how God uses everyday moments to knit us together. Um, So called at the living table because I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that it is a living table. God is active and present there when we, when we are obedient enough to sit there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. 
Do you yeah. have specific examples of things that you've seen happen or what I, of course, cause we're the praying Christian women podcast. My thought is yeah. having people in, in hospitality, having people to your table can equip you for prayer and it can open yeah. doors for prayer. It can help you to see into people's lives and, and, and God can really move. So are, do you have any specific examples of things that you've witnessed or, um, times yeah. where it's been especially meaningful for you to be around the table with people? Yeah. So <clears throat> a couple of things, um, I always start my dinner. If you come over to my house and you sit at my table, we always start off with a prayer. And in that prayer, it's always Lord help us have intentional edifying and encouraging conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes intentional conversation, um, happens because the spirit made it intentional, not because I asked the right question at the right time, but because the spirit led us in that direction. So I always want to open it up to allow the spirit to have complete control over that conversation. Um, I also believe that God calls us into community so that we can have edifying community, that community that builds us up, um, that affirms our decisions, that validates our feelings. Um, and that, keeps us accountable. Um, sometimes edifying is edifying through the spirit, but kind of calls us out, you know, in our flesh. And so I want to always make sure that we allow the spirit and we allow our conversation to be able to lead us there. Um, and then also encouraging because we do not need to be a community that tears each other down that, that is rude and demeaning, but always building each other up. So, um, I always allow that, to, to happen intentional edifying and encouraging conversation um, mm -hmm. and inviting the spirit into that because it is the living table and we want to bring him into that. Um, but I will say that being in um, Northwest Arkansas working and in a, in a corporate, a retail corporation um, it, I, I don't have a, you know, I'm not working in a church. My entire community are not Christians. We all come from very different backgrounds, from very different cultures. And so I, I always, you know, I say that and I pray that they know where I stand. They know what's going to happen at my house. Um, but it also invites them to ask questions. It also, it, it, you know, shows them exactly who Christ is. If I am to be an example and to imitate him, it, it gets to, I get to show that and be put him on display. Um, but I, one of the coolest things that has happened, um, is I have a friend that has three boys under 10 and one of my very best friends. And I went over to her, I'd go over to her house and take dinner a lot because it is a lot easier for me to meet her where she is right. than have her come to me. Right. Um, and the so what that, their own what, space and it's not as, yes, yes. So what that looks like is me going to her house sitting at dinner with her and her husband and her three boys and I'm cooking in her kitchen and Aww. I am plating the food and we are sitting down. And one of the things that I love is that she allows me to pray for the family sitting there. Now this family doesn't go to church. This family doesn't, um, you know, believe what I believe. Um, uh, but the coolest thing is because I've done this so much. One of the little boys asked if he could pray oh. and he prayed. Oh and goodness. so when, when you talk about, how can I impact a family? How can I impact somebody's life? I didn't, I, I'm not evangelizing them. I'm not changing their way 
that they live life. I'm not trying to change who they are. I'm living my life in front of them. I am allowing God to, to be mirrored through me onto them. And so it's really cool. They ended up um, a couple of weeks ago, they wanted to come to church. The boys wanted to come to church with me. They know I work in the preschool on Sunday mornings. And so they wanted to cut. So it's cool to see how God, I mean, I've been friends with them for five years. Um, it doesn't look like an overnight miracle. Sometimes it looks like the spirit leading them through, through the process. And so um, I think that I, had I not gone over to their house, had Alexis been the only person to come into my life um, and to come into my space, I wouldn't have impacted the entire family or the spirit impacted the entire family. And so um, a lot can happen at a table. Don't take that for granted. If you are single, you have friends that would love a meal at their house because their family is crazy and their house is a mess. And, you know, like, so I don't, I can be as spontaneous as I want to be because I don't have anybody to ask if I can do anything. It's just up to me. Uh, but use that, you know, that is a special gift that God has given you to be able to do a lot for a lot of people because you're in the place that you have been. And I even heard that from a 78 year old woman who picked up my book. It was at her daughter's house the other day and picked it up. And she said, I was convicted because I'm a widow. I live alone. I thought my community had all passed away. And here I am. I have all the time in the world. I can be making meals for every person that lives on the hall. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's it. That's the point. We need to be using the time and the space and the, and the gifts that we've been given and allow the spirit to kind of intentionally put people into our lives, um, to impact their life. I mean, for the kingdom, right. I love that. And I love it's planting seeds. Like you're talking about sowing, sowing in abundance. And, you know, with you and that family, it's sowing seeds. It wasn't, uh, you know, presenting the gospel to them in, in, in right. a day, you know, if you had done that, you may not be best friends. You know, it was right. opening your heart, loving, being the hands and feet of Jesus, serving, being available. Yeah. And all of those things are planting seeds and, you yeah, know, yeah. like, praise God, those kids are, yeah, are soaking oh, it in sure. and God is working. That is so neat. Um, very, very cool. Well, we're running out of time. I have lots more questions, but I want to move into um, your book, the book itself. And so what is inside of this book? What can people expect to find? Um, and yeah, what can people expect to find when they open yeah. this lovely so book? It is, it is a cookbook meets a devotional. I know that's kind of like counterintuitive. You don't really sit down with a cookbook to read it a lot of times, but the more and more I hear from people, they're like, oh my gosh, I just sat down and read your book. <laughs> and so I'm so glad people are like listening or reading it. Yeah. Um, but there are over a hundred recipes. The majority of them are very easy, 30 minutes or less, one pot, easy cleanup. I'm not a big, I make a big mess, but I hate messes. So I'm not trying to put a mess on in your hands. Um, I'm also embarrassed to call it a cookbook because it's more of like an assembly how-to book. Um, I use a lot of store-bought items. I lean hard into my grocery stores. And so if there are goat cheese balls or flatbread or a pizza crust that's already made, I'm not trying to make my own. I'm picking that one up and putting stuff on top of it and cooking it for 10 minutes. So people are like, Oh my gosh, it says you made a pizza in 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, because I bought pre-cooked chicken and a pre-cooked crust. And all I did was like add everything and sprinkle some cheese. I just needed the cheese to melt. 
<laughs> and so it's really easy. It's really easy stuff like that because food is going to be that natural conduit that gets people to the table. It's going to be, you know, that, that kind of glue that brings people together. And so I want you to be affirmed that you don't have to be a top chef. You don't have to have an excessive skill because I don't consider me your best friend that is just sharing some of those like tips and tricks, those hacks for the kitchen. Um, and that's what I've kind of put in the book. I like to, I like to leave with two recipes that if you are a novice, these aren't the recipes to pick, uh, to start out with because they are the hardest in the book. When you do it, when you write a cookbook, you kind of have to have a couple of recipes in the book to, um, kind of give you some credibility in the cooking space. Um, mm -hmm. but that is the sweet potato quiche that has spinach and feta in it. It just takes a long time. And I am talking about this book being quick and easy and that is not quick and easy. Um, and then the marshmallow, the marshmallow is probably the hardest recipe in the book because it's a lot like making candy. Everything in the atmosphere has to be perfect. <laughs> so just, uh, trust me on that one. Don't try to make it serve your own marshmallows from a bag because it's easier. <laughs> I love it though, because I, I did read, I think every recipe I just flipped through and I just kept looking, yeah. I want to make this, I want to make this. I made the goat cheese balls because you do provide a way to make the goat cheese balls and fry them in your pan. And yep. I don't have a deep fryer. And I thought I don't have a deep yep. fryer, but you didn't say you needed a deep fryer. No. And it was, and I, so there's a restaurant here in Anchorage that we go to that has a goat cheese ball salad. And I've never, okay. I, I didn't even think I could make that myself. I use goat cheese in salads, but I had no idea that I could actually make my own. And the other night I did, and my husband and I are like, we're having this every week. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Yeah. So just like that, I mean, super easy. That one takes a little bit longer because you have to put them in the freezer for a hot right. minute, but I mean, it's, but still it kind of gives you that pat on the back. Like I can actually, I can do something. It does. But what you do, you focus on the energy is focused on being hospitable. And so you even have some like cheese and, and meat trays and, you know, different things, the popcorn. I love the popcorn, how you have yeah. like basically the idea of getting a bunch of different, like they're not toppings, but mix-ins for yeah. this like popcorn thing and just all kinds of stuff that takes things that are easy to get, but it, it, presents it in a way that looks very special. It looks, it doesn't look yeah. like you're just putting a bag of chips on the table. You know, it's like very special, very festive. And if I yeah. went to someone's house and saw these things, I mean, you've got to see the the book. I want to just like thumb through all the pictures, but you know, and show people mm -hmm. because, but most people are just listening to the audio only. Um, well, even like the taquito board, it's a taquito board and the recipes yes. on that page are three dips. Right. They are three dips that you can buy at the store, guacamole, cilantro ranch, that kind of thing. Um, but I give you a way to make them if you want to make them. Right. And I love I, that. I, then I show you, this is how you display frozen taquitos, literally frozen from the box. Right. <laughs> so it's not like you have to roll them up and, and make them out. Like, no, just place them on the board like this. And so I give you a way to, oh, and then you put a little cilantro under that and cut up a couple of lines and maybe just toss them jalapenos on a what and that's what it looks like I could do that so yes. trying to make food approachable in a world that kind of makes it unattainable for us yeah it's awesome I highly recommend yeah. it where can our listeners find out more about you find your blog find your book 
Yeah. So the book is everywhere. If you're a Walmart person, it's at Walmart. If you're Amazon, it's at Amazon. If you're Barnes and Noble, it's at Barnes and Noble. It's everywhere that you can find a book. Um, and then I am over at a tabletopaffair.com and I have Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook. So you can find me in all of those places. And I try to put out a lot of recipes because um, a lot of those recipes on Pinterest just take too long and they are so complicated. And so, um, and then I go through one recipe a week on the Sunday Supper Club. So that's it Sunday night, Sunday nights at like 9 p.m. And then of course it'll just live on Instagram TV. Uh, but I always like to go through that because the picture looks perfect. And then I want you to see, no, this is actually how it looks when I'm done with it. <laughs> that is great. Before, before I food style it, you know, some, sometimes food styling can, can intimidate people. And it's like, no, 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 there's an art to that. This is actually what the meal looks like when I eat it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I, I love that. Yeah. So that's called, what is that? What is that called? The Sunday that's- just the Sunday supper club and Sunday we just get club. together and it's on Instagram and you can just join me in and make a meal. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, yeah. I'm going to close this down in prayer. So how can we be praying for Thank you? Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think that my biggest prayer right now, prayer request right now is just that the book would be met, um, would meet people where they are, would encourage people that we need to be focused on the people, not perfection. And that it, we need to have kind of this heart of Mary, um, and stop worrying about it, you know, just get to the table with people. Um, and that encouragement would just reflect Jesus's character and reflect the heart of God. Well, your book does all of those things. I came away just inspired to seek out community and, and I know that a lot of other people will be too. So Thank you. God, we just thank you so much for this time to talk about hospitality, to talk about just being the hands and feet of Jesus in many different ways. God, I thank you so much for Abby, for her passion, for the living table, and just for the power of hospitality. And just we lift up this message and this book to you, God, and just pray that it would go out and that it would accomplish just immeasurably more than, than Abby ever imagined Mm -hmm. that it would touch lives, that women would come away feeling, um, just like that, the, the widowed woman that, that felt convicted that she needed to use what she had and, and steward her place in life well, and, and bring glory to you in the process. Lord, I, we just pray that through this book, that salvations would happen, that breakthroughs would happen, that relationships would be mended, that, uh, that brokenness and, and loneliness would be restored and community would be gained. And God, we just pray that, um, that you would just, just break through the barriers that keep women from embracing hospitality, Lord, that you would silence the lies of the enemy, that this book would be a tool to do that. And that you would open doors wide for just a revival of hospitality. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is one of the, the most important times for that to happen, God, after just a time of extended isolation for so many of us. And we just pray that this would be a weapon in your kingdom to just break through those, those barriers and to bring glory to yourself. We pray your blessing over Abby and her home and that you would just rain your blessings down on her and give her the desires of her heart, God, and that you would just open doors for next steps for her after this book and continue to just use her in mighty ways to plant 
tons of seeds and reap tons of harvest for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.